Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Well, it's Law and Reality time, and who do we have with us today? Jenny Wingle, it's good to see you. Hi, Ken. Good to be here today. Brian Small. Always, as always, a complete pleasure to be in your presence, Ken. And Jeffrey Kirshner. Always refreshing and nice to be back. The topic today is what happens when there is no estate planning or bad estate planning, and how do you deal with it? I got to tell you, Ken, between no estate planning, I'm going to go out on a limb, and bad estate planning, I think I'd rather have no estate planning. I think I agree with you. Reasons why. But bad estate planning can create misery. Well, no estate planning and taken to the extreme with no will, no trust, no nothing means that your assets, when you pass away, are going to go in accordance with the laws of intestate succession rather than in accordance with your wishes. That can be a bad outcome as well. Now, assuming you are a widow and you only have children, in that case, everything would go to the kids. But if you're married, it changes the mix, and we'll get to that. So so no estate planning can also be a bad result, but bad estate planning can be an awful result. Absolutely. All right. I thought we'd do it by way of identifying crises and then figuring out what to do with it. So let me go with the first crisis, and then you guys can chime in. Dad has a stroke. He can't sign any documents. And he has no legal capacity to sign documents anymore. you gotta got to add that in. Right. Now, let me give you a background. All the monies in the accounts are uh, in their accounts are in Dad's name. Mom's name is not on anything. Dad is the person who dealt exclusively with the insurance companies, banks, and utilities. He's got medical issues. What do you do? Well, what there was nothing should, should, done. No power of attorney. No health care power be, of attorney. Before we, before what you have to do, let's talk about what you should have done before Dad had the stroke. Because nobody ever knows when they're getting hit by the bus, so to speak. And what dad should have done was put in place a durable power of attorney and a health care power of attorney. The durable power of attorney being the document that would have allowed his wife or his children to access the financial records and work with the banks and the insurance companies and the utilities. And the health care power of attorney being the document that would have allowed his wife or his children to make medical decisions on his behalf when he no longer has the capacity. Unfortunately, in the circumstances you've described, dad had a stroke, he doesn't have the capacity to sign these documents anymore, can't understand them, and we're at a loss as to what to do. So so here, we're standing here, dad's had a stroke, we have all of these issues, is there a solution? We don't have the durable power of attorney and we don't have a healthcare power of attorney, what do we do and how much more complicated is that going to make this situation? Well, for sure there's a solution. The solution is, Dad, we need to petition the probate court and have a guardian appointed over Dad, which is the guardianship is over the body, and then you need a conservator appointed over his assets, over his finances, the, so that that person can step in and act and on, on Dad's behalf. And how long does that process typically take? 
in an emergency situation, it can get done quickly. You have to file a petition with the probate court. You have to have the correct waivers signed by interested parties and beneficiaries of the family, and then you get it in front of the judge quickly because it's an emergency situation. Yeah, but you'll but likely so need it, an attorney it, unless you're well-versed in the law. You're going to need an attorney, and you, and you need an attorney that knows probate law in order to get it done quickly, and, and speed is of a premium in this circumstance. Well, it's not just that. Now you have dad has these issues, and there's the children. And there's mom. And mom may or may not be capable of handling the affairs, but now the kids start to fight over who's going to be in charge. One person says it's going to be, one person says it's going to be me. Now a judge has to make a decision, and quite often in that situation where there's infighting within the family, you're going to see a judge appoint a guardian ad litem which is an independent third-party yeah, guardian. No question. That's a disaster. It's a disaster for the simple reason that it could have completely been avoided had dad taken the steps before he had the stroke. But and it's you an wouldn't contemplate. It's not necessary. Once, once you have a fight, you have more than one attorney. You've got the attorney for child one versus child two, and you have all this fighting. It only happens when there's usually a lot of money involved. But when you have that situation it, it, it occur, always, no, no, I'm sorry, you it made, becomes you made a, a big problem. When you said that, it always happens when there's a lot of yeah. money involved. It well, does happen otherwise. Dad but passing it, versus dad having a stroke might be a little bit of a different circumstance. But yeah, you certainly have a big problem there. How does dad avoid that problem? Before he has the stroke, he signs a durable power of attorney appointing mom or one of the kids to take care and act on his behalf. He has a health care power of attorney, typically appointing mom to make those decisions. And, you know, it's important to, to note that dad doesn't have to give up control over his assets and the decisions he makes when he signs that durable power of attorney regarding finances and that type of decision making. Because dad can create, at, uh, when he's doing his power of attorney, a springing power of attorney. What that means is that the power of attorney declaring someone else to be your agent, your attorney in fact, is only going to go into effect when dad has become incapacitated. Usually you define it in the opinion of two doctors. Yeah, usually in two doctors. It can be one, it can be three, but it's generally the decision-making is two independent doctors. You know, Jeff, do you encounter that situation with your clients that are seeking disability where the disability is, is extreme do they have powers of attorney in place? Is it something that comes up, or is it they usually, when they walk into your office at that point, they have a disability? Have they done estate planning? A lot of times, not necessarily a lot of estate planning, but certain of my clients that certainly ones with significant uh, cognitive or psychological difficulties do come in uh, with somebody, usually a spouse, um, if not another family member that does have power of attorney. And then, obviously, I have, I have children or young adults that come in that their parents uh, have become uh, the power of attorney uh, and can make those decisions for them. But you, So in the situation where the cognitive ability of the party seeking Social Security disability is so diminished that they can't make a decision for themselves and the wife comes in and the state planning was never done, then literally the first step is going to be going to probate court to establish guardianship and conservatorship over the injured individual so that, that the spouse can seek on their behalf. Right. I, I need it for a lot of reasons. Obviously, one is is to do the 
filing process, so I need somebody else who uh, can do that for them. Also, and you don't think about it, is anytime uh, these cases involve medical records, I need somebody to sign off on or give me permission to get those medical records. So I would need somebody to sign medical authorizations if the, the party who I'm really representing is unable to do that. See, one of the interesting things about estate planning issues is it touches different age groups. Let me give you crisis number two. Crisis number two is mom and dad have two minor children, ages three and six, and unfortunately mom and dad are killed in an auto accident. They don't have a will, and therefore they made no appointment of a guardian over the kids. In that circumstance, what do you do? Who takes care of the kids? Well, there's going to be a petition. This was a surprise crisis. Yes, it is. Is that on the outline? So, so this is, this is a, a petition to the probate court, and the problem is, is that let's say you've got grandma and grandpa on a. dad's side, grandma and grandpa on mom's side, mom's sister, dad's brother. All of them say that they're the best candidate to take care the of the kids. The sister and brother say, we're younger, we can take care of the kids, we can raise them in a contemporary fashion. Grandma and grandpas are all too old. Grandma and grandpas say the, the young ones are irresponsible, we're much more responsible, we'll give them a more stable home. And then grandma and grandpas say he should stay with me, and the other grandma and grandpas say they should stay with me. And that happens. It, it happens. Uh, it's unfortunate that it does happen, but the reality is is then you have a contested probate fight when it isn't guaranteed when you establish, when you name a guardian in your will that that's going to be the person that's willing that's going to do it because they have to be willing to do it but the reality is is that when the parents wishes are most often accepted by a court versus now you've got this battle and you can these battles can go on for a long time and the worst thing is is that the kids are harmed. Right. So here, the solution, so this is all, it's a horrible outcome. It's a travesty, you know, it's just the worst nightmare is your kids are killed and now that you've got grandchildren without parents. So the family's in a total state of shock and crisis on top of it. The At least if mom and dad had a will and appointed and made a guardian selection, then mom and dad decided who was the right person person among the family members to take on the role of caring for their kids. If they didn't speak and express that view by way of putting it into a will, which then becomes binding, then it becomes, a, I don't want to say a battle, but becomes a, a, a big problem of identifying and everyone decide, everyone has to agree who the right guardian should be among the key family members, otherwise you have a fight and the judge is going to decide it. It's an easy problem to avoid by mom and dad making sure they've done a guardian appointment in their will. Well, that's But a lot of 30-year, a lot of millennials and 30 and young 40-year-olds have not gotten around to doing any estate planning and they don't have a will. But you, you certainly touched on the issue. It's just like in divorce or anything else is that you would rather have control over what happens to your kids rather than let the court decide. Uh, where it may be a result that you didn't intend to begin with. Plus, it's costly. It takes a lot of time. Adds uh, to the and stress. And along those lines, I think the court has limited information. We all know that sibling or person who can present themselves really well, whereas the parent, when they're making that decision, has all the information about the family members and individuals in their life and who they think would best be able to care for a child. All right, crisis number three. 18-year-old son involved in a serious auto accident. 
He's alive. He's in the hospital. Uh, he's tinkering on whether he's going to survive or not. The hospital's sitting there saying, how should we care for him? What do medical decisions should be made? And mom and dad come in and they say, well, this is what we want you to do. And the hospital says, oh, really? When did you become a doctor? And then you say, but you've got to do everything you can to save my son. Make him better. And then the doctor comes in and says, well, these are the options, but we can go either way, but we can't do it without your ability to make a decision for your son, which you think, oh, my God, of course I can make a decision for my child. It's, it's my, my child. child. <laughs> Guess what, people? Your child is 18 years old. You don't have the legal right to make a decision for your child anymore. You need a medical power of attorney, a durable health care power of attorney. It is absolutely necessary. And for all those of you that are out there whose kids are headed off to college in the next few weeks here, guess what? It should be something that they, that they do. And they, they should sign. both do a medical power of attorney, a health care power of attorney, and a durable power of attorney so that you have situations where if your kid's away at school and you want to handle banking and financial issues for them, you can do that with the durable power of attorney. Absolutely. And at the very least, the health care power of attorney is absolutely essential. Imagine getting that call at, at 3 o'clock in the morning from the, do, from the hospital and your kid's in the hospital unconscious and... They're asking you whether or not you have a power of attorney so you can make a medical decision for your child who's now 276 miles away. And you're not getting there in the next 10 minutes. You're getting there in the next eight hours. You don't have that document. You're going to probate court. Ready for crisis number four. Mom, a widow, passes away with no will and no trust and there are substantial assets in her estate. She has children. The question is, what happens? Well, from a, a legal... And then I'm going to complicate it as we go. Well, I was closest to mom. I was the closest one of my siblings. So you think you should get it all? A hundred percent. I was the nicest to her. She loved me the most. It's mine. Well, well, and then the hire, child gonna, number two says, but hiring? I took care of her. I should be paid back for the amount of time that I stayed and took care of her while you were working. And child number three says, no, 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 no. Mom intended to leave all of her assets to me. We had this conversation three weeks ago. And here's what the reality is. And child number three had the little tiny bed. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the porridge is gone. Yeah, but right. weird story. So, so we, we, we. Here's here's what happens in an ordinary situation. In this situation, not it's not complicated anymore, but it's ordinary. One, mom's estate is going to pass through intestate succession. Mom is not married in this situation, so mom's heirs, who happen to be her three living children are going to share equally in the estate. However, the estate is going to have to go through the probate court. It's going to be minimally two and a half to three times more expensive than doing an estate plan. Now, understand something. At least there's there's not going to be a fight between the three little bears that are arguing that they were mom's favorite child. But there is going to be a fight because the process of 
transferring the assets and inheriting requires assets to be sold and distributed. So one of those three children are going to want to be appointed the personal representative. Yeah, because mom's assets in this case happen to be her real bank estate and interest. real estate. And so, yeah, who's going to be in charge of selling the house? Who's going to be allowed who's to going accept to decide the what price and yes. what price? And then you get you get the good son who says who's fair and reasonable, and you get the greedy son who says, "No, we got to sell it for more." Get more, more, and more. And how more. about dividing up the artwork and the pictures and the I want jewelry the and the memorabilia? And I want the jewelry. The personal rep becomes the key person in that situation. And that point, if you have a will and a trust, in a will, you appoint the personal rep, you appoint a successor trustee. That person is then in charge. If you when die you without die, an estate plan of the any court's type, gonna the court's going to appoint Yeah, the court's going to appoint it. And it might be the bad son. Well, how it's going to work is the bad son's going to go into court saying, I should be the personal rep. The good son or the other son that says, I took care of mom all the time is going to say, or the daughter, I should t- be the personal rep. And the one that says, mom said, I should have been the personal rep two weeks before she passed away, is going to petition to be the personal rep. So now you've got that fight going on. The judge is going to have to decide who. If he can't choose and be feel comfortable with any one of the three, he's going to pick an outsider. Which costs the estate money, takes considerable amount of time. And, you know, you run into things that people don't even think about from the standpoint of, all right, mom was living in her house. Mom has equity in her home, but she has a mortgage. Okay? What was paying mom's mortgage? Mom's pension and mom's social security, which are gone. Which are gone. Mom didn't have any other real significant assets. So now what we've got is a house that's effectively headed towards foreclosure because of all the infighting. It needs to be sold right away. And it isn't going to happen right away when you have no estate plan. So you avoid that problem by having a will, and when we talked about it, if you were listening last week, a will and a revocable living trust. But if you didn't do it, let me just give you what how the laws of intestate succession work because we get a lot of calls and people ask. The easy one is this example. Mom passes away with children and no spouse. Children inherit everything. You still have the problem of the personal rep. Suppose you have a spouse, but you have no descendants or parents. Well, then the spouse inherits everything. If you have a spouse and parents, the spouse inherits the first 150000 of your estate plus three-quarters of the balance, and the parents inherit everything else, that remaining residual one-quarter. If you have parents but no spouse or descendants, Parents inherit everything. And there's a few other examples that you go through when there are children of two different marriages. There's also when one of the children is deceased and has its own descendants. I think this is a, a, a great place to start, but as people listening will hear, often this is not going to cover every situation. It's making me nervous. It sounds like law school questions. Yeah, well, I They're mean, not law school questions. These are real life questions, real life issues that truly face people every single day. I mean, if you remember last week, we I think we we, we began the show with saying what is what do sixty percent of Americans don't do? Sixty percent of Americans don't have an estate plan. So if they pass away, dying intestate, without any will, 
their assets are going to pass by the laws of intestate succession unless the assets transfer outside of the laws of intestate succession, which is, which is a certain circumstance where assets transfer not by state law. And I'll give you a list of those. If you've transferred property to a living trust, then it's going to go in accordance with the trust. But typically, if you have a living trust, I've never encountered anyone that had a living trust and didn't have a will. Because what the will typically says is we, we do what's called a pour-over will that says transfer everything according to my trust. And the trust document then decides where everything goes. Life insurance proceeds don't go by the laws of intestate succession. They go by the beneficiary designation. Oh, but that's but you would be surprised how often life insurance proceeds do go by the laws of intestate succession. Because there's no designation. Because no contingent beneficiary. Get to name a contingent beneficiary, and the first beneficiary, the only right. beneficiary, was the, dece- the the previously deceased spouse. And so there isn't the kids weren't named as contingent beneficiaries, and so now. So mom died after her husband had passed away and left everything to her kids in, in te- through intestate succession, but she forgot to change her life insurance policy, naming dad as a beneficiary to the kids. Unless it went to dad and his estate, so then it would go through dad's estate. If he had one. Right. But if mom didn't have an estate plan, it's likely that dad died without Well, an even estate without plan. an estate, it would still go to his estate, and then it would flow through the laws of intestate succession of dad's estate. Yeah. Which should be even, which should be which which should be the same, but it could be a little bit crazy. Funds in an IRA account, four hundred one k or other retirement account, you do a beneficiary designation. But the same thing that you're just saying, Brian, if you don't do a contingent beneficiary designation, you can run into problems. Securities and held on transfer death accounts, payable on death death designations on bank accounts, property that you own as tenancy by the entireties between a husband and wife. Those all do transfer outside of what we call probate and outside of the laws of intestate succession. But the key point here is you want to have an estate plan that takes care of these issues so that you're not left with fighting among family members as to who is the personal representative. And you also want to avoid the probate process, which is accomplished, as we were talking about last week, by doing the living trust. So listen, Ken, if... if, if our Let's listening do audience wants to learn more about all these topics and how to deal with estate plans. First, I want to invite them all to attend our next seminar, which is coming up Wednesday, August 22nd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Don't be like Bill. Do an estate plan. We're going to go over the essential elements of an estate plan, the documents you must have while you're alive, the documents you need to hand, for your estate to be handling when you're dead, We're going to talk about how to avoid probate. We're going to talk about what happens if you're in a probate fight. And I believe we have a special guest attending that seminar, Pat Samasco, who will be speaking on elder law issues, Medicaid planning, and aid and attendance benefits for for wartime vets. You want to sign up for that seminar at lawandreality.com, thavgross.com, or you can call us at 888-235-HELP. That's 888-235-235. Four three five seven. All of the attendees get a free gold certificate for three hundred dollars off the cost of an estate plan. Again, sign up. Also, want to say that that seminar is free, Brian. That's the best thing about that seminar. It is free, and you sign up again at lawandreality.com or thavgross.com or call us at eight 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 two three five help. Who's Bill? 
We're says, gonna, don't be if, like if Bill. If you want to find out who Bill is, you have to attend the seminar. But Bill, Bill made some mistakes. Bill was in, this, it was, it was in today's stories yeah. a lot. A lot of so, Bill here. I also want to invite all of our listening audience to watch the TV version of Law and Reality every Sunday on TV 20 at 11 a.m. If you're off doing something, if you're at church, whatever, hit that DVR button. We're worthwhile to watch in the afternoon. Generally more exciting than golf except for this past weekend. Now, also, we have another seminar coming up. Wednesday, September 26th, which is crazy far away at the moment, but it's not that far away. From 6 to 7.30 p.m., September is the time for my debt to fall. We're going to go over how to preserve your future income for you and your family so you have something to retire with. We're going to talk about debt elimination being the key to the, uh, to the seminar. Jenny's going to talk about tax issues, offers in compromise, and... Uh, you get a free copy of Ken's book, Dump Your Debt, if you attend. Again, signing up at lawandreality.com, thavgross.com, or call us at 888-235-HELP. We're going to try and get Jeffrey Kirshner there, too, to talk briefly about disability claims, if you're available, Jeff. I'll grace you with my presence. Fantastic. Of and, of course, if you want a free consultation for anything that we do, whether it's debt issues with myself, tax issues with Jenny, estate issues with myself, business issues with Ken Gross, Elder law issues with Pat Samasco or social security disability issues with Jeff Kirshner. You just call us anytime at 888-235-HELP or go on our websites, thavgross.com or lawandreality.com, and you can sign up for a, to have somebody call you to set up a free consultation. And then, of course, we have some free reports too, Ken. We've got reports on business formations and loans and grants for small businesses in Michigan on our website, how to save your home from foreclosure, and the retiree's guide to social security from Pat Samasco. And as always, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Jeff Kirshner Law, Samasco Law, and Thav Gross. You forgot one important announcement. You forgot How to could I possibly have forgotten mention the free contest. Every month on Law and Reality, we give away a free golf hat, $50 Visa gift card, copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. You just go to the Law and Reality website. Right on the front page there, there's a spot where you pop in your email address to sign up, and you're entered. It's a, it's a no-brainer. You sign up. Your name gets it's picked. It's a really nice hat, you. too. It's a super, super cool hat. I have about six of them. So we got a little bit of time left. Let me give you the last crisis that proper estate planning can avoid. Mom passes away. Where mom and dad do an estate plan. Dad's plan leaves everything to mom. Mom's plan leaves everything to dad. If one predeceases the other, it goes to the children. Okay, dad passes away. Mom lives, takes care of herself. Mom passes away. She leaves everything to the children. The assets are now going a third to each of the children. It says a third at age 30, a third at age 35, and a third at age 40. All the kids are over age 40, so the money's distributed outright. But little Johnny has $75,000 worth of debt and judgments against him. And he was just about to file a bankruptcy. We have a problem. Houston, what? we have a problem. So is, is it the right the solution? solution? The well, solution, first of all, what is the problem? The problem is, is Johnny's creditors are going to get the mo- mom's money. So in that circumstance, Johnny can't file the bankruptcy. So Because if he does, his share of the money is going to go to the trustee to pay off their credit card That debt. is correct. And even if he doesn't get 
doesn't file a bankruptcy. Now those assets are subject to being collected upon by the creditors of the, the, the deceased woman's children. So the real, to give we only have a minute left, to give you the nutshell solution, mom's trust should have been revised before she passed away to leave the assets for Johnny in a discretionary trust. She could have appointed one of the other siblings as his trustee that says in the discretion of the trustee, the money can be used for Johnny's support, maintenance, and reasonable comfort. In that, in that situation with a spendthrift provision in the trust, his creditors and the trustee could not get to the money, but they could still have that money earmarked and set aside for Johnny's benefit. That's the way to solve that problem. It gets solved through proper planning. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back with Law & Reality next week. Drive safe.